cool, I like that. And if you're here for the first time or maybe in church for the first time in a long time or in church for the first time ever, we want to welcome you to Fam Church. Um, here at Fam Church, we're about connecting people to Christ. That's our hope. That's our passion. That's our goal. That's what we are here for. And we hope that's been your experience this morning is connection with Jesus. And I just, as, uh, as Pastor Pito had said in the uh, video there, I just, if you're here for the first time, please come to our VIP reception so that we can get to know you and, uh, and find out more about you because we want to connect you. We want to connect you with Christ. And, uh, and so um, that's who we are. That's what Fam Church is about. And uh, this morning, we're on part two in this series called Who is Jesus? And um, that's what we started last week. It's short. It's sweet. It's to the point. And uh, what we did last week in this series was we started off by looking at the possibilities that exist when it comes to Jesus when we want to answer the question, who is Jesus? And uh, uh, we have the answers that the church gives, the Son of God, but we looked at and we explored some other possibilities that other people put out there that could be the reason that Jesus, or, the, or who Jesus was. And if you missed last, week, last week's message, you can listen to it on our Fam Church app. You can get that at Google Play Store. You can get it at the Apple, uh, uh, the, the App Store on, on Apple. Oh, and I'm also supposed to tell you guys, I almost forgot, I need one of those things in my ears so Greg can talk to me. If you've got Facebook, go to our Facebook page and you can get a little thing to put on your profile picture that has the, uh, our service times for Easter Sunday, just as a way of kind of letting everybody know uh, Easter Sunday, next Sunday at Fam Church. So just go to Fam Church's Facebook page. There's a thing on there that you can click on and it'll put the information. It won't change your profile picture for from your face or whatever you've got there, it'll just put a banner at the bottom of your profile picture just saying Easter Sunday Fam Church 1030. So go out there and do that if you can. But what we saw last week was uh, several possibilities. And the first possibility that we looked at last week is that Jesus was a legend, okay? And when I say the word legend, I don't mean somebody like, uh, oh, I gotta get my spelling right. I'm not, I can't, I can't multitask. I can't talk and write at the same time, okay? Um, so I'll never be a college professor. Um, but uh, he's a legend. And when I say the word legend, I don't mean legend in the fashion of a George Washington or a Joan of Arc or Michael Jordan, people who have done incredible, amazing things in their field. And we still talk about them today, even though they're no longer on the scene as, as incredible in their field and area. What we mean when we say this word legend, when we're talking about Jesus is either A, he never really lived and everything that we know about him was just made up by somebody, or B, yes, he was a real person, but almost everything that we know about him is false because he couldn't have done the things that have, that have been said about him. And so, and so people have said, you know what? What happened was Jesus is just a legend. He's not the son of God. The disciples maybe came along, took this Jesus guy, and either invented him out of their brains, you know, some creative brainstorming session they had. They just came up with this guy, Jesus. Or he was a real person, but the disciples just made all sorts of incredible miraculous claims about him and put it out there as truth as put, and put it out there as realistic. They, they developed this mystique, this persona called Jesus, and that's who we worship today. Well, the problem with Jesus being a legend in the possibility that he never lived is just kind of difficult to swallow because there's a lot of references to Jesus outside of the Bible. There's a lot of references to him in histories from the Roman period of the time. And so most historians can conclude that they know that Jesus was a real person. 
person. And so it's not a, we cannot say Jesus never existed. There's very few people who would say that today. But they would say, you know what, though? All of those miracles and all of the other stuff that we know about them, they're not possible. They're just not possible. We all know that miracles are not possible, so Jesus has to be a legend. Well, here's the deal when it comes to miracles. The first thing is this. You'd say, okay, prove to me scientifically that miracles can happen. My response to you would be this. Prove to me scientifically they cannot happen. Because the deal is, is that miracles are something that fall outside of the realm of science, and it's not something that you can just reproduce in a lab to prove scientifically. And there's, it's not, miracles are not the only thing that fall under the, the, that category, and, uh, you know, we've got, we've got other things that can't be proven scientifically. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But, uh, but if Jesus had been a legend who they, the disciples just made up a bunch of stuff about, including, including he rose from the dead and all the miracles, we know there's too much documentation from the time where his disciples would have stepped forward, or uh, I mean, not his disciples, where the people who were against Jesus, who didn't like what he was saying, who didn't believe in, uh, in, in, in what the disciples were teaching, who could have stepped forward and said, no, you know what, Jesus really did didn't do all of those things, but nowhere in in any of history do we have people stepping forward and doing that, which is surprising because of how much Christianity and Jesus was hated in the area. So him being a legend is not a good conclusion for the evidence that's out there. And so what people will say is, okay, he wasn't a legend. You know what? You know what he was? He was just a good moral teacher. And uh, I won't try and talk and write at the same time. He was just a good moral teacher. And that was the second conclusion that we saw. He wasn't a legend. He was a real person, just a good moral teacher. All the miracles, the Son of God stuff were just added later. But uh, all of the teachings that we have come from Jesus, and those were legit. You know, he taught this radical new ethic that the world just didn't understand. It was completely different than what they had at the time and how to live right. And, and, Chris, and, and Jesus would be appalled. He'd roll over in his grave knowing what the church has become and what his followers have become these day, this day because this is not at all who he was or what he pictured. Well, the problem with the good moral teacher theory is that Jesus in those same moral teachings made a whole bunch of other claims. Okay, he claimed that he was the son of God in those moral teachings. He claimed that he could uh, raise the dead. He claimed that one day we would be with him in paradise as we fo- if we followed him. And so the deal that we have here is if, if Jesus was a good moral teacher, he told us a whole bunch of things in his moral teachings that were simply not true. And so if Jesus was only a good moral teacher, he was a liar. He was a liar, and therefore, his moral teachings no longer have any basis because you can't trust what he says. And so they would jump from there and say, okay, he's not a, he's not a legend, he's not a good moral teacher. Well, yeah, he's a good moral teacher, but he was, he's a good moral teacher that would just had some, he, he was a little bit confused, you know? He, he really believed he was the son of God, and I don't want to re- write that out because that's really long, but he really believed he was the son of God. He wasn't intentionally trying to lie to us, and so therefore we can trust his moral teachings. Well, the problem with that is that if Jesus really believed he was the son of God, even though he wasn't, he had some mental issues, Okay, all of the people who have claimed to be God that we know about anyways have done some really crazy things. I mean, we looked at some of the characters that have been involved in claiming that they were God or the Son of God throughout uh, recent history. We didn't go through all of history, and most of them were involved in uh, the killing of 
one person, multiple people, or every one of their followers. Or they were trying to kill someone else. Okay, like we saw the, the guy in 2009 who said he was Jesus and he was sent to kill the president, okay? And so what we have here is uh, Jesus also couldn't be a moral teacher who thought he was God because that would just make him crazy or a lunatic. And so that's what we looked at last week. And all three of those are just simply not possible because of some evidence that sits there in regards to Jesus and Jesus' life. So that's where we left off with last week. And so that only leaves us with one more possibility, and that is Jesus was who he says he was as the Son of God. Okay. So, I know this is going to be hard for some people to handle and a challenging thing for some people to accept. Why? Because for some things in life, we like things to make sense, right? I say for some things because if you were to look at our lives, we would say we like things that make sense, we like things logical, but if you follow our life and follow how we live our life, you'd see there's spaces, there's places where we do things that are illogical, that don't make sense. Like how many of us know that friend or or have a family member that always dates or marries the wrong person? Okay, they're dating or they're marrying. (laughs) Yeah, I'll put my family member out there, come on. All right, you know, but they'll, they'll, they'll go and they'll date somebody who's, who's a verbally abusive, who's physically abusive, who, who gets them into trouble, who lands them in all sorts of situations, and they'll break up with that person, and then the next person they date will be the exact same type of person that they broke up with, that they never learn. They've got, I don't know what it is, but they, they just illogically make decisions on who they should be in a relationship with, and it always leads to pain and hurt, but they continue to make those decisions. Okay, or there's this. This is my, I've seen this in the two years that I've lived here so many times, I've just lost track of it. And Dana and I, we talk about this all the time because it just drives us crazy. But you're driving down 60. You're going 60 miles an hour. You're the only one on the road. The other lane has no cars in it and someone pulls up on a side street. Do they wait for you to pass? Heck no. They pull out and they pull into your lane in front of you when you're doing 60 miles an hour and cause you to have to slam on your brakes or change lanes. It makes no sense whatsoever unless your goal in life is to hurt people and cause car accidents. But almost every single day, I see this scenario played out, but it doesn't make sense. And so many people do it. See, we live our life. We do not live a consistent life when it comes to things making sense. We'll date the wrong person. We'll pull out in front of others on the road and all kinds of crazy things. But when it comes to Jesus, it has to make complete and total sense. That's the way we are, though. It's not unique to those who are far from God. Even people who claim they are Christians will need far more proof or evidence to follow God in something in their life than they would if somebody on the street told them something. So to offer proof that Jesus is the Son of God, that's an impossible task. And I'm not going to be able to do that for you this morning. Because I can't prove scientifically that Jesus lived, that he was the Son of God. And if you're saying to yourself, well, if you can't prove it scientifically, it's all bull, you're going to leave disappointed. But what we have to understand about that is there are some things that cannot be proven scientifically. 
You cannot prove scientifically that you have a mind. You can prove scientifically that you have a brain in that we can pull it out of your skull. But the mind inside of your brain that operates is something that is hard to prove. And to prove that somebody else has a mind is even more difficult. As a matter of fact, it's so difficult that uh, a philosopher named Alvin Plantinga has used it as the basis for, for a whole belief structure in proving that God exists. He's saying, look, you can't prove that somebody else has a mind, but yet you accept that other people around you have a mind. And why can't we prove it? Well, because our mind does all, it, it processes information, it creates feelings, it gives us thoughts, it, it makes decisions, it does all of these things that you can't prove scientifically. But what we can do when we look at our mind is we can look at the results of, the fruit of, the decisions of our mind, and we can conclude from that that we do, in fact, have a mind. And so that's what I want to do with Jesus here for the next few minutes, is we're going to look at him. But we're going to look at him through some results that are seen that can show us that he is there, that he is the son of God without actually proving scientifically that he says who he says he is. And so the first piece of the puzzle that I want to offer to you and insert is evidence that Jesus is the son of God is the prophecies that are written about Jesus in the Old Testament. Why would I do that? Because Jesus fulfills over 300 prophecies. Okay, he fulfills over 300 prophecies that were recorded in the Old Testament. And so here are some odds, okay? For Jesus to fulfill just 48 of these prophecies, over 300 that he fulfills, the odds of that happening are 1 in 10 to the 157th power. So for Jesus to fulfill 48 of these, there'd be a 10 with 157 zeros after it. Not great odds, is it? But yet, here we have a guy fulfilling over 300 of them. That's a whole lot of zeros after that number if we turn this into 300. So the odds of somebody actually, one single person fulfilling the over, or just 48 prophecies is this high. So somebody fulfilling over 300 of them is astronomical. It's out of the picture. It's just not possible for one human being to do that. Now, some of you may be thinking to yourselves right now, okay, you can't do that. You cannot take the Bible to prove that Jesus exists. You've got to put the Bible away because they have a bias towards Jesus. They have a bias towards believing in that. Well, let me give you a couple of facts about the Old Testament that, that help me to believe that we can do this with the Old Testament. The first one is this. The completed, the, the, we know for sure that the Old Testament was finished, complete writing in 132 BC. How do we know that? The Jewish, uh, the 72 Jewish religious leaders and scholars completed the translation of the Old Testament into Greek in 132 BC. We still have a copy of that book today. It's called the Septuagint. Jesus was born in 4 BC. And so you know what that means? Nobody could have gone back and written in a bunch of things about who Jesus was into the Old Testament to, to just kind of say, see, here, it's all here. No, the book was complete. It was finished. It was put together. It was one complete work by 132 BC, 130 years before Jesus was born. 
The second thing is this, who wrote the book? Who wrote the Old Testament? It was the Jewish people, right? It was not the Christians who wrote the Old Testament. This is not a work of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, other guys from the Old Testament. I mean, from the New Testament. This thing is from the Jews. And this is important because of what the Jews were expecting in their Messiah. See, here's what the Jews were expecting in their Messiah. They were expecting a military and political king. They were expecting a man to rise up, to become powerful, to build an army, and to get the Romans out of their country. They were going to throw off the Romans. They were going to become a great nation once again, centered on God and worship of him, okay? They had no expectation of a Messiah coming to this earth and dying on a cross. As a matter of fact, to the Jewish mind, that was a scandal. It was scandal. It's called the scandal of the cross to the Jews. And so think about it. There was no agenda in the writing. And besides, they would have been writing for a completely different Messiah had they been adding in prophecies at a later date. And so to say Jesus fulfills over 300 prophecies is pretty incredible when you think about it because that was done over 130 years before the man was ever born. And yet there's over 300 things that speak of Jesus. And so the second then piece to this puzzle, the picture that Jesus is the Son of God, the second evidence I'd like to give you is the disciples. Why do I say to the disciples? Let's talk about these disciples for a few minutes, okay? And think about who they were and what they became after Jesus' resurrection. Let's start with Peter. All right. So Peter was an uneducated fisherman. I'm going to put these guys over here. You have Peter, the uneducated fisherman. He had a hot temper and... uh, he, he was just, he was kind of a crazy guy. Not the guy that you would think of when you think of pastor material. However, what happens after Jesus rises from the dead? Peter becomes a pastor and an evangelist, and he travels the Roman world telling people about Jesus. He finally arrives in the city of Rome and starts telling everybody about who Jesus is. The Romans arrest him. They try him. They convict him of being a Christian. And he is, uh, he is uh, um, crucified on an upside-down cross at his request outside the city gates of Rome. Okay, itinerant fisherman, evangelist, preacher, executed at the gates of Rome. The second guy, Andrew, Peter's brother, Another uneducated fisherman. Andrew, we don't know much about Andrew after, after, he, uh, after Acts chapter 2. But what history tells us is this. Now, I do have to say, Andrew, Andrew's life sounds pretty legit, okay? Uh, Andrew headed to the Black Sea where he ministered to pirates. Come on, man. Let's minister to some pirates. He was the pirate pastor. Because of this, Andrew is considered the patron saint of sailors to this day. He then traveled to Istanbul, Greece, and parts of Europe. He was killed by a persecution outside the city of Patras after telling and proclaiming who Jesus was inside that city. Put to death by crucifixion on a cross. The disciple named James, different from James, the brother of Jesus, he was also a fisherman, 
um, and a business partner with Peter and Andrew. After the resurrection, uh, James stayed in Jerusalem. He helped build the church and reach thousands of Jews for Jesus in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 5, he was one of the ones who was arrested, put in jail. The Jews went to kill him in the middle of the night. Angels came, opened the doors of the prison. James was able to go free. And so fear came upon the Jewish leaders. And so they left James alone for a while until a man named Herod came into power. And you can read about this story in Acts chapter 12. James is arrested by Herod and eventually beheaded by Herod. I'm going to put Herod here rather than his city because he was beheaded by Herod for being the pastor of a church in Jerusalem. His brother John, also a fisherman, after the resurrection of Jesus, he stayed with James in Jerusalem for a while, but then he went on to go do his own thing in uh, Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. He was there. Uh, he was arrested by the Romans. Uh, he was tried and found guilty of being a Christian. He was sentenced to death by being boiled in oil. They tried to carry out, this is the worst part about it, they tried to carry out the execution, but they were not successful in killing him. He was left alive with his skin bleached white and covered in scars. Roman law prohibited him from being executed uh, a second time, and so they exiled him to the island of Patmos, and he's the only one of these 11 disciples who actually lived and died of natural causes. The disciple Philip, after Jesus' resurrection, ministered all over modern-day Turkey. One day he arrived in Hierapolis, and uh, Jesus got a hold of the wife of the proconsul. She gave her life uh, to, uh, to Jesus, which enraged the proconsul. The proconsul went out and had Philip and all of his traveling companions arrested, and uh, he was going to behead them in a public execution. Uh, as they were headed out to the public execution, Philip and all of his traveling companions continued to tell the crowd about Jesus. Well, guess what happened? The crowd turned on the proconsul and said, you need to release all these men. Okay, Philip, he falls into the category of somebody who makes decisions that aren't always wise. He says, no, I don't want you to release me. And so the proconsul beheaded him there on the spot. He refused to be released, okay? Then the disciple Bartholomew, he was one of, I'm not going to write, uh, I'll just write Bart, okay? He was one of Philip's traveling companions. He was released uh, uh, when, uh, when all of the other guys were released uh, by the proconsul. After his release, he headed to the Middle East and proclaimed Jesus in Iran, Iraq, Pakistan. After that, he went to Armenia where he told the king about Jesus and the king became a Christian. The king's brother was enraged at what happened and had Bartholomew arrested and killed. He was flayed, which means he was skinned alive and then crucified. Now we come to doubting Thomas. Thomas, after the resurrection, went to India and brought the message there. He traveled to several cities uh, when he was in India. In one city, he got there, and the, uh, the Buddhist priests came out. They got sick of him being there. They speared him, and then they crushed his head with stones. Next one is Matthew, guy who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. He stayed in Jerusalem for a while, but after Jerusalem, he went to North Africa where eventually in Ethiopia, he was arrested, tried, and found guilty of spreading Christianity, and they stabbed him to death. The next disciple, if you're paying attention, is uh, James. There's two James. Uh, this is James the Less. I mean, how many of you, if you had somebody around you that had the same name as you, they called you the Less? Um, that's like they're saying, you're not as important as this other guy, um, but uh, you're James nonetheless. Um, anyways. It's like having the older brother. How many of you had an older brother or sister in school and everybody called you so-and-so's brother or sister? 
Anybody been there? All right, that's, yeah, that's James's deal here. Um, he traveled across the Mediterranean Sea, told people about Jesus in Egypt. He was arrested and crucified. Uh, Thaddeus, James, the less. Uh, Thaddeus. Thaddeus. Um, uh, he went north, Turkey and Greece, spending time there. He went to Mesopotamia, modern-day Turkey and Iraq. He was there. He was taken by the priests of the local religion and beaten to death with clubs. And then the last one is Simon the Zealot. After the resurrection, he first started working in North Africa. He was in North Africa then Egypt, and then after that he headed to the end of the known world in Britain. There's some dispute as to his life. He was either beaten to death in Britain by the barbaric tribes that occupied the country, or after he left Britain, he made it to Samaria, where he was sawn in two by the governor. So either way, he's dead. 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 He's not. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. Ten of the 11 guys who followed Jesus ended up meeting their death. But here's the part that's so interesting. These 11 guys became 20, became 50, became 120, became 500, became 3,000, became 6,000, and it just kept going and going and going, and going. Now, if we were to stop after 2,000 years after Jesus' resurrection, we could count hundreds of millions or possibly billions of people who have been impacted by the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How does that happen? How does that happen when you've got 11 guys here who are all found to be what? criminals by the Roman government. They were executed as common criminals for telling people about Jesus. That doesn't happen. Okay, when we look at, we could talk about the guys that we had last week. We talked about David Koresh. We talked about Jim Jones and the things that they did. Okay, think about that. After David Koresh and his followers were dead, what happened to his movement? It's dead. After Jim Jones and all of his followers died in the jungles of Guyana, what happened to his movement? It is dead. You can go and you can look at history and every time the head person and the main characters of the founding of a religion die because they were put to death for their beliefs, it doesn't keep going. It stops. It stops. It doesn't keep going, but yet here we have going from, and, and, and it, it went in a different way too. This just went by word of mouth and people speaking. We have other religions that have gone forward and advanced, but by the sword, where they've gone into countries and they've pulled out the sword and they've said, look, either you convert or you're going to die. But Christianity is all spread through a different form, through people going and telling their story about who Jesus is and what he did for them. And it continues to advance and it continues to push forward and it continues to make a difference and it continues to set people free and change lives. How can that be possible if Jesus wasn't 
who he said he was as the son of God. If our worship team could come up. It just doesn't make sense any other way. It just doesn't make sense that 11 men would all put their life on the line to tell people about somebody who's a legend, who's a liar, who's a lunatic. I mean, how many of you would do that? If you knew this person wasn't really who they said they were, if you knew that they were just lying about who they said they were, if you knew they were just, they needed some mental counseling, would you put your life on the line and go and die for it? I don't think anyone in this room would. But that's what we have happening, and it continues to happen day after day after day around the world. Then finally, what's the third piece of evidence that I offer you? The story of the hundreds of millions, perhaps billions of people who've had their lives transformed by Jesus, of which I am one. We could tell you stories of people freed from the hold of drugs, alcohol, pornography, healed of diseases and sickness. We could look at those who've overcome rejection and and, and depression, mental illness, loneliness, sexual strongholds, criminal lives, many other things. We could look at their lives and we could see the difference that Jesus made in their lives and taking them from a path that was leading to their destruction and bringing them to a path that was giving them life, that was giving them hope, that was giving them future, that was giving them the things that they thought those other things that they were had a hold on their life were going to give them. See, you can't change addiction by just saying to yourself, I, I'm not going to be addicted anymore. You can't change loneliness by just saying, you know what? I don't want to be lonely anymore. The only way those things can change is through the power of Jesus being the Son of God, coming into our lives, doing a work, and setting us free from those things. And that's what Jesus came to do as the Son of God. He didn't come so that we could have some good moral teachings to lean on. He didn't come so that we could have this legend to talk about. He didn't come because he was crazy. He came because he wanted real people to really be free in their life. And that's what he offers.